tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello there, Mad Men fans. Oh, man. Oh, there it is. Take a moment here. Beautiful, yeah. This is... Weren't you going to sing it, Matt? Turtle doves, it's the real thing. What's that version? What the world needs today. Okay, does any of you guys remember this? I remember when they brought it back like three, four years ago. I'm unfortunately old enough to remember this. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. This is the Mad Men After Show here on AfterBuzz TV talking about the series finale, season seven, episode 14, person to person. I'm Matt Lieberman. And joining me on the panel this week, the fantastic and lovely Miss Sterling Cates. Hello. The uh, brilliant and insightful Mr. Joe Braswell. Oh, that's wonderful. Hi. <laughs> yes. Uh, and our indomitable executive producer and creator, Mr. Uh, Kevin Undergaro, is here. Thanks for letting me sit in. Yeah, of course. Uh, Joe Flippo, as he said last week, not able to make it because he's, no. uh, he's got to work. And we got to work, too. Talking about this incredible episode. But in Hawaii, don't cry for him too hard. I, oh, yeah. I, I would never cry for Joseph Sampolipo. He did make a very specific prediction. That was true, though. So That's we got to give him props yeah, for that. So, obviously, we have a ton to talk about. We're not going to talk about Don uh, up at the top, because we want to make you sweat. A little bit. Um, but first, let's just go around the table and say what, the, what we thought of this episode. I thought it was a re- truly sterling finale. I've watched it now. I watched it now three <laughs> times. I watched it now three times in, in the past day. Yeah. And uh, I love it more and more with every, with every viewing. I think that they tied up the bow nicely, uh, but not neatly. You know that all these characters will continue to live on and have happy lives. It's not really the end of this story, but it is the end of the chapter that that Matthew Weiner wanted to tell, and I think that he told it as deliberately as he told the rest of it. Uh, I think everything in it is intentional, and I just there was there was not a missed step for me personally. I completely agree. Every time I watch it, it just gets better and better. There's things that you catch the second or third time after watching it. And it's just I just appreciate it so much, and I think I thought I think it was really well done. Yeah, I, I hated it. No, <laughs> I, hated I, I loved it. It. It, was, I mean, it was it was fantastic. I mean, it, I saw it as well, saw it three times, and mm-hmm. I think like you know we talked about last week about the the notion of how difficult it is. I mean, what, what's going to happen here? Is it going to be the sort of fan service that we want as fans? Do we want you know the get the band back together and start a new agency or some fan service thing, or is it going to be something that serves uh, Matthew Weiner's own you know what's going to service the story here? And I think he was able to do both. I, I think there's a lot of fan service there, uh, a lot of a lot of cheering moments for us, and we I think we all felt very satisfied. But there's also things that like you know like I said the bow was tied. Uh, would you say tight, tightly but not neatly? Neatly yeah. but not tightly? Nicely Tight, but not nicely. Nicely but not neatly. That's some Matt Lieberman. That's, uh, good, yeah. that's, that's a good great. one. Uh, so yeah, I, I loved it. I will get more into it later. Kevin, what do you think? I, uh, Matt Sediments, 100%. Okay. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was beautiful. Um, I was very emotional. It wasn't the high five ending that Breaking Bad gave me or some other of those, but it was just, 
it was just what you said, Matt, and mm-hmm. I was thrilled. Well, th- good. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very cynical uh, on the web who aren't crazy about it, but you know, with, sure. with a show like this, n- not everyone is going to be crazy about anything. Uh, either they felt it was too sweet and saccharine, or they weren't satisfied with Don's ending. Maybe they wanted him to come back to New York. Maybe they thought that that wasn't enough of a definitive uh Period on the end of his sentence, so to speak. What, but what did they want? I mean, it says this yeah. was never this was never Breaking Bad, or this was never like bullet training racing towards a fine point. This mm-hmm. was always sort of like they were following these people. First of all, workplace drama, then outside the workplace, these people who was this sort of makeshift family were following them out through through the decades. It wasn't necessarily about the the '60s. It was about these people living their lives, and and we sort of got as much of an into that as we're going to get. So yeah. I sort of feel like you know those people who really wanted. You know, some hardcore fan service like I wanted Don. I just you know I don't know. I don't know what they expect. That. I feel yeah. like this is it. I feel like the majority of their gripes come from Don's story, which we, we which we'll get to. I want to start by talking about Joan's story, which like again, what what Mad Men has been best at, uh, you know. First of all, intimately examining people and how we change and how we don't change, but also how time changes and and uh, the scene between Joan and Richard when he pulls out that little baggie of cocaine. Yes, and I'm like, okay, we're in 19, we're in the we're in the well, 70s now. Welcome to the 70s. Welcome exactly. to the 70s. Yeah. I know we try everything, and it's just sort of like I see this potential road that was out in front of this couple who were gonna you know hop around the world and and live large, you know, and make maybe live a little too indulgently. That could have been a, a way that they could have gone down. Um, and instead, she has this lunch with Ken, uh, and it gives her this idea, and within moments, she started a business. And and you know, right then and there, you hope that Richard is going to be the kind of guy to stick around, but you know that this is what she wanted all along. Mm-hmm. And she's worked so hard to get to where she is, and I would hate to see her just give it all up to travel the world. With she can do dude. that later, right? Yeah. And he wants her to give up everything for that. And I, like she said, I don't think that she should have to choose. Mm-hmm. But in this case, she chose career. I mean, for that reason, I don't think Richard was ever the guy. I think yeah. that we all kind of wanted him to be the guy because he's so awesome. Right. You know, shots Bruce, Bruce Greenwood. But, like, I think uh, he was never the guy because he wants uh, Joan to be his. Like, I mean, it's never right. about, yeah, it's never about Joan, you be yourself. And it's like, I have this life I want to lead. I want you on my arm. And that's what it's going to be. And that's never really who Joan is or was. Right. So it's probably never going to work. So it's kind of good to see it. You know, I, I was rooting for them. Good to see that this ending instead. I felt you won the ultimate battle. Mm-hmm. You know, was, Matt, you've talked about how many times with the women, the men, the men, the men. You know, the, you know they've they've taken advantage of. They, you know, she's just been, and I think she won the ultimate battle because she got her independence and is an independent, and strong woman. And okay, so we didn't get the the guy, but there's nothing saying that that guy isn't going to come later. And she's got her little Kevin, mm-hmm. but yeah. ultimately, I felt she won. Yeah, finally, yeah. you know, she beat them all. Yeah, she, what she'd been fighting for: independence, control, a name on the door, a sense of success and accomplishment, and the freedom to build something of her own. It's funny because when Richard first came on the scene, he marked to me. I'm like, wow, okay, this is the harbinger of things to come. This is the the guy of the future who can see a place for himself and for the woman who can respect her choices and and want to adapt his life to meet her needs instead of the other way around. But ultimately. 
no matter how progressive he is, this is still October 1970, and you can maybe only go so far, especially somebody who he stated his needs and his wants very, very clearly when they started this relationship. I don't want to start over. I, I sold my right. business. I right. had so. my family. I want to do this. And she said that she was okay with that. Because maybe because she had another other options or God knows why. I don't think she ever said she was okay with that. I think she was also very honest about wanting to build something of her own. And now she not only has one name on the door, but she has both of her names. Holloway on the door. Harris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. great. Both a maiden and, and, and married name. I do think that, um, you know, what's interesting when we saw, when we last saw Joan at her exit from McCann, you know, with her sort of sticking up for herself and then Roger convincing her to take the, t- take the money. Um, and it was kind of like, I didn't want that to be the end for Joan, but I think we all thought that right. that may have been the end. Yep. Uh, and then we all were like, well, she has a consolation prize of being with Richard and good for Joan. So to see her bring her, to see them bring her back and sort of have this sort of this epilogue of her starting her own business and really winning, as you said, That's that was right. super, super satisfying. Yeah. So and, and something she did, spike. and something she did on her own, you know, we go back to, unfortunately, she had, a, she slept with a guy to get the partnership before. This is something that's totally hers. And I, I think I also don't think any of us can discount the symbolism of the Coke, right? Because Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. Coke, Coke, Coke. Sure. And, and I, Sterling and I were talking about this as we were watching. You know, later on, you'll hear uh, Peggy say, uh, don't you want to work on Coke? On Coke, yeah. yeah. And so Father. it's just interesting. You know, I, th- I uh, it, it's that, um, to me, it was symbolic of, you know, uh, being on Coke, something that's not real. Yeah. You know, let's just... Uh, we could know. live like this for the rest of our lives. Yes. yes. That's and that's real. not really living, you know? Yeah, that's not sure. That's not true living. And by the way, you, said, you see that tie-in with the hippie life, which I'm, we're going to get to later on the show, I'm sure, Matt, but the mm-hmm. hippie lifestyle wasn't real. That's why none of those communes or whatever have succeeded, yeah. ultimately. But oh, you haven't mm. been to my neighborhood, apparently. Oh, they did. I'd like to know. I don't know the most feelings. The institute that they were actually at in this episode, that Don actually went, goes to, is a real place, is based on the, the Esalen Institute in sure. Big Sur. I was going to say, it's super Big Sur. I mean, the, yeah. the, I mean everything, I've assumed it was Big Sur. I didn't know what it it was or where it was, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that place, which is very interesting. Let's yeah. see Don inhabit that place. We'll get to that yeah. in a second. But can I say one more thing about Joan? Yes, um, please. I don't know if we're, if we're done with that. I just wanted to mention the the idea of Joan being a producer is so perfect. I think I think the idea, I and mean, I'm speaking as a producer myself, I do it for a living, Kevin does it for a living. Um, like, what she's always been a producer. Like, what she's done from day one, and sort of her, her sort of orchestrating and organizing the office, and keeping people on schedule, and, and, and you know, figuring things out. This is kind of what she was doing before she knew she was doing it. So the opportunity for her to sort of really come full circle, and get paid, and exceed, and excel in her own business of, with all the skills she's learned over the last 12 years plus, is super satisfying as well. So so mm-hmm. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. I almost poo-poo us from a few weeks ago when we were like, you know, good for Joan. She fa- she's she got the guy. I feel really bad about that. Yeah. yeah I feel I really bad about that because that would not have been a satisfying life. This is yeah. what she was meant to do. And I'm very, very pleased that that's where she, that she didn't yeah. settle. Yeah. And that, you know, e- even though just yet another dude failed her, this is the life that she wants to lead. She's running an office out of her home. And it's yeah. exactly what she wants. Good for her. Um, I also love that the relationship between her and Roger has reached such a comfortable place. Yep. Um, you know, him leaving half of his fortune to her son, uh, and it, that was a great scene I, mean, well. I, I gotta say, with the exception of, uh, you know, our boy uh, Sal, and and maybe uh, Kinsey, like, mm-hmm. uh, all the loops were pretty much, you know, closed here. I mean, they did a really good job, not just on the individual characters, 
characters, but the all the interactions with certain characters. We got sort of the we got the the Peggy and Pete, the sort of you know last last hurrah, and we got this Joan and Roger. They've had a their, their relationship has been something that's been a through line throughout the entire series, mm-hmm. like what, the ebbs and flows of what their relationship was or wasn't. And so to have it come to this sort of fine point with two people who really understand each other, respect each other, and love each other, and then to know that you know uh, Roger's son is being taken care of. I mean, that's good to know. Again, as a fan walking away from Mad Men, you want to know that everyone's okay to a certain degree. You don't want to walk away being, well, yeah. what about the kid? Okay. Or what's going to happen? And, and I, I'm not going to really get any of that, which was, which is good. People don't, some people don't like that on the internet, but I kind of I like that. Like that yeah. No, every single member of the main cast who's still there had at least one moment to shine. I mean, yeah. you, you know, Ken, uh, who brings this opportunity to Joan, he seems like he's really thriving over at Dow, sure. and he's still the same guy that he ever was. He's so much happier than he was when he was with SCNP. Uh, even even uh, Harry Crane shows up to be a whiny little Harry for just yeah. a second, and yeah. he just we can we don't need to know what's the, going on with Harry. We know exactly exactly who he is. Line was a couple weeks ago when I sat in. You said, Kev, don't worry about Harry Crane. <laughs> Harry Crane's got enough to deal with yeah. just being Harry Crane. It's the <laughs> worst. Like, You're right. I'm up. Right. Yeah. Harry Crane <laughs> is cursed with the fact that he's Harry Crane. <laughs> yeah. No one will ever and, like him. And you notice it was all about, it was all about, I'm hungry. I'm starving. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it, all the way to the end, he didn't get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it was great. Again, for everybody who does change, there are people who never will because they don't see any need for it. And Don was that person when we met him. Him. And now he's come such a long way. Before we get there, I want to talk Peggy and Stan, uh, sure. which just like to oh. me, the, one of the most perfectly executed moments of fan service ever. Because that's exactly yeah. what it is. There, you, on paper, there is no reason why you have to put these two together, but everyone wanted it yeah. for good reason because yeah. they've always been, you know, perfect soulmates. And I freaking love it, even though. The contrast of these two scenes, the first one in her office where she she gets really defensive and she, she calls him a failure, uh, and then the scene where they confess their love to each other, you know that for all the good in that relationship, it is not perfect. But it might be the one that stands the test of time by sheer amount of, A, affection between the two of them, and the fact that... Stan is the first partner of hers that respects her not only as a person or a woman, but also as an artist and as uh, a career person. Uh, I believe it was, it was the one, I read a bunch of reviews today just trying to see where everyone was at. And uh, Matt Solar Sites at Vulture said, uh, you know, Stan Stan is turned on by Peggy's talent uh, by the fact that Peggy wants to work and no one else has had that not even Abe who like you know played at it you know but Stan is turned on by the fact that she's awesome at her job it's great and I feel like he'll be in her corner for the rest of her life. You know, he's the one who's going to be, honey, calm down. It's going to be fine. She's going to be the one that's going to rise to the ranks. She is going to become creative director. By 1980. Yeah, <laughs> which, which it's yeah. only 10 years from then, you know. Yeah. Which, you know, And, and uh, he'll be, you know, doing, he'll pretty much be the same guy. You know, he'll get a little fatter. He'll lose more hair. Then that hair will go gray. He'll be doing his painting, but he'll be right in her corner. He'll be the one calming her down, keeping her on track, and it's wonderful. It's and perfect. making art for her. Yeah. And I just love that Peggy's the one person on the show, aside from Roger, I guess, who ends up with career and love, but sure. that Peggy gets that as a woman. She's succeeding in her role. She has options. 
now she has Stan, and I've just been the biggest fan of the whole Steggy situation. It's good that she stayed with advertising too, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, there, I mean, she, what, what was she, she writing? Writing and uh, industrial, industrial scripts. Films yeah, it would, she would have had her name on sexy. the name on the you door, know. but of a company that makes move, films that no one will ever see. Yeah. And she'll never have the acclaim that she wanted when when she and Don had their tete a tete a few episodes ago, and he asked her if she wants the fame. She's like, "Yeah, I yeah. want the fame." Yeah. There's no fame in showing people how to use a crane right. or a or a bulldozer or beyond or the stuff that we grew up watching in the '80s, like you know, you know, you know instructional uh, driver's ed videos. Like, mm-hmm. you know, who wants that? So, no one. Uh, I think that I agree with you, Matt. This is like extreme fan service to the max, and I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Uh, we talked last week about the the wonderful shot of Peggy. You walking in the hallway mm-hmm. could have been the the end because we kind of know we were. I'm very very satisfied with that. Again, that's another thing. Like a, a lot of the things we saw in the penultimate and in the, in the, in the previous episode, episode eight or whatever. I'm sorry, episode that would be it would be uh, twelve. Twelve. Yeah, episode twelve and thirteen to sort of like wrap all this up. I was really satisfied with a lot of the endings we got, but to come back and give us these second endings, these these like supreme epilogues was wonderful. And the Peggy Stan stuff was, I mean, it really was fantastic on every level. Um, again, back to that sort of Nora Ephron, you know, Nick Sparks yeah. situation. I, mean, I yeah, cheered. But, I but, clapped. But I cried. And, and <laughs> First beautifully acting, beautifully <laughs> written by Matthew Water, and perfectly oh, yeah. acted. And she's like, what? Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, so I funny. Like Elizabeth Moss yeah. was really and, like, oh yeah, it's like, like the game with the acting. Because you're there. Yeah. And you're here. It's like it's like oh, oh boy. Oh, yeah. right, here here we go. Here the that was all wonderful. And um and, and see, yeah, Stan's perfect and to see them together, it was just oh. it was amazing. I have no problem with that. I want to talk a little later about this whole notion of uh the fan service stuff because I, I've been reading so much about people who are so upset about that, like mm-hmm. this is just da, 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 da. but I, I have no problem with it again. I say it again. I I love it. I want to be serviced as a fan yeah. this way. The beauty here's the thing about fan service. Totally and, and and I have issues with shows that do it just to make people happy and to keep them watching. Right. There's a difference between throwing something to the fans, throwing them a bone so that they remain loyal or because you want to be nice to them or you want to incentivize them to keep watching and giving these characters things that they've earned. Because they've been through hardship. They've been to hell and back over the course of these nine years that the show has been on the air. Seven seasons, nine years. They earned it. The show earned it. The characters earned it. Even though we we appreciate it and we like it, it's not about us. The right. characters have a right to wind up happy. Not all of them do, but even Betty, who definitely isn't happy, is is you know standing in her grave waiting to die from this lung cancer. Even she is able to stand her on her own two feet and go out on her own terms and set the exact parameters for who will take care of her kids and stand her ground with Don and make sure that he doesn't come back and potentially ruin their lives sure. or just ignore her wishes like so many men have done her entire Entire life. Um, and getting back to that point about you know whether they cater to fans or not, I I think it's arguably Woody Allen, one of the great directors of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's widely known that he does not attend you know the premieres of his films. You know that, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what he does attend? Every single one of every single test screening. And you know why? Because he is watching what people are laughing at, what they are crying about, what is affecting them. Then he does tremendous amounts of questions and research, all because he says it is about the fans. And this is a guy that I had thought was a snoot and said, no, my way, it's art. No. So 
I, to me, if, if Woody Allen's doing that, it's okay. It's okay if some of these EPs and these yeah. writers are are wanting to see what people like and don't like. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, go ahead. Well, no, there's one other thing, too. I mean, and Chris Ryan over at Grantland brought this up as well. Um, well, I shut on Grantland, even though I don't work there anymore. But I, I still love it. But uh, Chris Ryan brought this up, uh, which is a great point about uh, the idea of the pilot and the finale sort of being the same, sort of the same serviceable thing. The pilot has a job of sort of setting up the world, setting up, setting up all these characters, getting everything going, and then pushing off. And then the next episode, Episode, you're sort of telling these stories. Well, the finale is that same service. It's like we have we we've done this whole thing. We're going to wrap this whole series up. So we have to sort of have that fan service because this is this exists almost in a bubble. I mean, we have the the, the, the finale is there to sort of end not only this season but the series. That's a heavy heavy weight to do in sixty pages or whatever. So or fifty pages. So I have no problem. I think I think this was probably a fantastic job of doing that. And the fan service is is not necessarily fan service. It's just more story and legacy service, I believe. Yeah. You know, you go all the way back to season one and uh, the episode, I believe it's episode four, five, or six. It's it's 5G. It's the one where uh, where Dick Whitman's brother, Adam, comes to visit Mm -hmm. him, and he tells him life only goes in one direction. Forward. And that's exactly what this show has done. You you can't look at this finale and be like, oh, I wish that, you know, we'd gone through a trip down memory lane, and like maybe Don walked through the office, and like, you know, maybe he turned out some lights or something like that, or, you know, a a big twist that's going to take us in a completely different direction, and like, that's a huge stunning ending. It's purely about, we have we have progressed. We have moved through a decade in these people's lives. It's time to just make sure that they are all... We know where they're going. We don't know where they end up. We know where they're going, and that's fine with me. Uh, oh, God. What was the other thing that I wanted to say on that score? It'll it'll come back to me. Okay. Um, time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's take this opportunity to talk about iTunes really quickly, and don't change the channel. Don't I don't know why you would change channels. You're on a podcast. You can't change it. <laughs> but don't skip ahead, and I'll tell you why. Because the best way to support AfterBuzz TV, AfterBuzz TV, which has been putting out this podcast now for four years, uh, and puts out over a hundred hours of free after-show content everywhere on the web. It is the largest new media platform on the web. It's huge. It's impossible to, it's impossible to describe how many shows we're doing, how busy it is here, and we try to make sure that we put out every single possible after show we can, that they're all high quality, that people are able to get the exact programming they want when they want it. And the best way to support AfterBuzz TV is to go to iTunes and rate and review the shows that you listen to or that you watch on YouTube. It is quick. It is easy. It doesn't cost you a single solitary dime. Can you believe that in this day and age? You can't find a thing like that. And you get a great shout out here on the show. This will be the last time that we get to read these shout-outs. Oh. And uh, I'm bummed out because I'm sure there are plenty of people who want to who, who wrote in uh, iTunes reviews today, and they're not popping up yet, that uh, involve the finale. But unfortunately, these are the last ones we'll ever do. And I want to thank everybody who's supported this show over the years, and I hope that you continue to support other AfterBuzz programming. Uh, great podcast and host, five stars from Arctic Green. Although I'm sad that I started listening to this podcast on the latter half of Season 7, I enjoy watching and listening to the familiar hosts of my favorite other AfterBuzz. AfterBuzz subscriptions. I'll miss the, the detailed dis- discussion from this pl- panel, but I'll continue to view the other AfterBuzz podcasts that these folks are on. Uh, great Mad Men recap and insights from Cabert Toman. Uh, I really enjoy all the insights and chemistry of this group. We'll miss this one when it's over. A master podcast from Sriram Raghu. Uh, five stars. It is rare for a review show to be as well-produced as this show for reviews. Your podcast is one such rarity. A superlative podcast for a superlative show. Thank you, thank you. Never too late. Thank five you. stars from L.M. Craig. I found 
this podcast on the next to last episode, and I wish I had experienced it with you for all the seasons. Variety of opinions and points of view adds so much to my appreciation of Mad Men. I will not only miss Mad Men, but also this dialogue. Five stars from Jumpin' Jim Flash. Uh, after a great episode of Mad Men, listening to this podcast is analogous to the cheese in the lasagna. It is oh, essential, wow. people. Is. Not only will I miss one of the greatest shows ever to grace television, but also the in-depth analysis that you give to the after show. My prediction on the last show is that it will end on Don's clothes, strewn on a beach as we pan up to him wading into the waves. It's a, hey, as of last week, that was completely valid. Uh, late to the party, four stars from Steel Magnolia. Uh, I just found you, and I'm so glad that I did because there's no such thing as too much Mad Men. Just wish we had found you sooner. Mad Men After Buzz show, five stars from Rick from Kansas. I'm trying to remember if, if the first After Buzz was Doctor Who and then I found Mad Men or the other way around. Mad Men ending is doubly disappointing. Not only is it a wonderful show ending, but so is the podcast. It's Friday already. Can it be Sunday, please? Uh, my favorite After Buzz podcast, five stars from EV1024. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts about the shows I watch, and this is easily my favorite one. Not only am I going to miss the gorgeous, complex world of Mad Men, but I'm going to miss listening to this podcast. Oh, well, thank you guys so much for joining us, joining thank us you. on this journey over the past few years, and uh, we're so glad that we could be a part of your lives and help enrich the Mad Men experience, which, as we all know, is the richest of experiences. Absolutely. Speaking of experiences, it's time to talk... Oh, you got a wanted, point. Well, no, I just wanted to, while we're here, Okay. Uh, we have some wonderful people watching us stream live on YouTube. Hi, guys. I just want to shout some of them out. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trixie, uh, Ism First, Stormy Woods, Mary Kay Pearl, uh, Emil McKellen, Mer- the Mer- Doc Finney, Diver Dog, uh, what's that say? Aikisha Martin. Right. Aikisha Martin, <laughs> Steve, Steve uh, Feinstein, and uh, I think that is it for okay. now. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for watching and streaming and chatting. Uh, I know there's a bunch of you in there now, but there are, um, you guys are the ones. And Liam, I forgot about you, Liam. Um, say my there, name. Say my name. <laughs> I did. Liam, there you are. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for listening and watching. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of new experiences, let's talk about Don, and we're also going to talk about Betty and Sally in Can this I say conversation. One thing? Yeah. As we leave, I just wanted to do a shout out to uh, to the Peggy and Stan story when she stood up to uh, her boss Lorraine about the mm-hmm. way she handled Chevalier. it. Well, yeah. maybe we should go talk to David together mm-hmm. and think of Peggy oh, yeah. seven seasons ago, and now. And, uh, okay, you can take it. Yeah. And I was like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, sorry. She's, she's fully self-actualized. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Don, in this episode, this episode is called Person to Person after uh, not only human connection, but the person to person calls that he keeps uh, calling throughout this episode. He has three of them, and they're all fairly weighty. When we pick up with him, the first shot of the episode is him driving through the salt flats of Utah yeah, uh, at top speed, 130 miles an hour in a kick-ass 70s car. Love it. Yep. Um, That's a, I, I'd watch the hell out of that show. Right? The, like, door, Don, the door's playing. Yeah. yeah. Don with the doors, like, blazing through the salt flats with a couple of uh, bros on the side and a uh, beautiful blonde of questionable morals. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I'd watch she's the a prostitute, that right? Well, she is. Yeah. She is a prostitute. Yeah, she's just yeah. hanging out in the garage. Yeah. No, right, well, she know. she later she says, "You don't pay for it, huh?" And she stole his money. But in any That's case, uh, I love also the anachronisms with music that we've been getting these last couple of episodes. Because normally, music is used very deliberately on this show to mark the passage of time, and all of the music choices are of the time, of the moment. Last week, we ended with a 50s song. This week, we opened with a song from 1968. 
1988, even mm-hmm. though it's 1970. Yep. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, relax. This is the end. It doesn't have to be so rigid. Um, and, you know, Don is living this kind of nameless, faceless life. Uh, he's offered to stake these guys, you know, to go race somewhere. And he's kind of slipping into old habits, but also freer than he's ever been. Um, you know, he's sleeping with this woman. He's still very Don when he's with her. Um, he's still very Don when he's with them. But to me, I feel like we're get, seeing a mix of Don and Dick. The further he steps away, the more he... So the first episode of this back half of season seven was called Severance. And the further he severs the ties to Don Draper's life, the more freedom it affords him. Right. And this whole back half has been about severing those ties, ending his marriage. Shedding the layers. Shedding the layers. Yep. His apartment, his job, his suit, car. his car everything until he's just got he's just got his body the clothes on his back and a jc penny bag and the bag and of money envelope. and the envelope yeah. of money which yeah. is also yeah. shedding it's shedding thinner better. and then the hair in his face you know it's always yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah always in his face that's the dick whitman the dick whitman bangs yeah yes. <laughs> we we watch him effectively hit rock bottom in this episode yeah. you could argue that it was last week but i feel like it's really it's that betty call it's it's yeah. while i've been having fun out in utah the first call that he makes is to sally and sally against her better judgment tells him that Betty is dying and his first reaction is like your mother's a hypochondriac it doesn't matter she's like dad listen to me and I'm so incredibly impressed and proud of Sally because I although I always had hope you could never be sure who she was going to turn out to be and to me Sally is the most adult person on the show yeah, she mm-hmm. it fully knows who she is. She understands her responsibilities. She's mature enough and articulate enough to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Um, and knows better than the parents what's good for the two boys. Here. Exactly. Right. And I think this episode especially shows how much Betty and Don realize how capable Sally is and how fast she had to grow up and how smart she is and mature she is. I mean, Betty left her in charge of basically everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then on the phone call, she says. Um, I, you know, Dad, I've thought about this longer than you have. Just listen to me. And then he hangs up. You yeah. Know? So it's like she really does have the final say in everything that's and going on. And you see on. her cooking at the end. And you see Sally smoking, like you mentioned, Matt, which means uh, Betty, Betty smoking, mm-hmm. which to me is that def- the defiance. I'm going out that way. And also, to me, her growth is over. You know, that's that, that's just yeah. she's going to be who she is. But mm-hmm. you see in that last shot where Sally's cooking and you know, she didn't obey the father. She didn't obey the mother in terms of how to take care of the kids. She's going to do it she's herself and it keep them with Henry. Her own way. Yeah. Well, right. that ultimately, I don't know if that's going to be in her hands. Because while she is making the majority of the decisions, right. if that's in her will, there's nothing to be done about True. it. That's why she was trying to get Don to help convince Betty. And, you know, Don's reaction to this is like, these are decisions that need to be made by adults. Right. And I wanted her to just snarl back at him. You're goddamn right. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I wrote that. I mean, I think it's all said. I wrote. I wrote the same thing. I mean, you know, Sally's really grown into some of the best versions, in my opinion, the best versions of Don and and, and Betty, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, she, the way she handled Don was was fantastic. I believe, and it just reminds you, you know, look, it's a, look. She had more. She ended up, at the end of the day, Sally ended up comforting both dads. She ended up comforting in an awkward way. Ended up comforting Henry, you know, who, who didn't really know right. what to do or what to say, and ultimately ended up like sort of telling Don how it is and comforting Don and. That that was very that was very much Betty like that was a Betty strength coming through. But then the way she's able to sort of come in and handle her brother and take over that's also the Don I'm going to take care of things way. And I think that 
you know, that last scene you talked about with Betty, with a, Betty smoking and Sally cooking, it was a lot of ways for me, sort of a passing of the torch. I mean, it's sort of the, the old Definitely. generation. I'm here doing what I always do. This is on my terms. I'm going to go out. And there's Sally in the kitchen taking over the household mm-hmm. as what she's meant to do. And you get the extreme sense that we've gotten in this entire season that Sally's going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. yeah right? And I think, yeah. I think, Bob, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's a question more for for you, Matt, and for, but also for you, Sterling, because you guys are younger and you're a female, Sterling. So what do you think of that actress? She's been, when we've seen her, it's always, there's so much angst. Right. And your face, and so troubled and so terrible. What, what do you think she's like off camera? From the you interviews think- I've read, they say she's a wonderful actress, and they've pretty much every, I think they did an interview with... Um, with January Jones and mm-hmm. just that she was talking about a lot. You know, I've watched her over the past nine years not only grow up into being a wonderful young woman, but a wonderful young actress. Yeah. And but I'm saying is she, like a lot of child stars are not actually acting. It's right. They just are they throwing are. it all out there and we capture it on camera. So I, I just want to, I, I just wonder is, you know, she the life of the party off camera, you know, because she's so, she carries so much weight in her face. Yeah. I feel yeah, like know? she does. I don't know necessarily the life of the party. What I would say is she seems to be a young person with a, a hell of a lot of internal wisdom. And I think that that makes a person maybe more reserved. Right. I wouldn't say that she's necessarily an angsty person. And frankly, I have no way of knowing. Right. She um, was just on well, um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She had the, Schmidt. Okay, and, and she played a really similar, like, angsty teenager. But, I mean, who she, was searching for family. Right. But, and it was, like, kind of. I was just really looking for your similar. opinions where you guys are younger and yeah. you're closer to her age and you're a female, so I, I just thrown it Well, there. last thing, Joe, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. No, it's a, but it was comedy. I was, was going to say because your, was t- your take was my take. Like, yeah. you know, she was on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She was great. And it and was a comedy. Was so, like, she's definitely playing some of their notes, even though it was very similar. Sure. Uh, but what what I took most away from from Sally's scenes was the scene that she shared with Bobby and Jean, which uh, again back in the day, people really underestimated kids and how much they picked up, how much they knew, how much they felt. And Bobby very much is aware of what's going on with his parents, what's going on with his mother's health. He doesn't know how to tell Jean. Jean, you can tell, also knows that something is wrong, but has no real power to to affect change in any way. He's not going to demand that he stays there. I think also Gene, just by sheer virtue of only having lived with Henry, has kind of a different demeanor. Right. Sure. And, you know, his mom's been pretty absent throughout that entire that entire uh, relationship. But, yeah, the scene with Bobby, to me, shows that they're going to be troubled, but they're going to be it's, fine. Yeah. It shows incredible maturity in Bobby mm-hmm. at such a young age to realize what's going on or not really completely understand what's happening, but to be so protective of Gene and not tell him and no, not you know, scare him or, mm-hmm. you know, he it, it was a very big brother, yeah. mature at such a young age. Yeah, and these people, you look at them, these young people, they do not need a Don Draper in their lives. They could probably use a Dick Whitman on weekends and holidays. Sure, which but, is what they'll get, probably. Yeah, but a Don Draper would be pretty damaging just, like, to have that huge energy force its way into your life and be like, this is how you live now. Yeah. Instead of these kids who, are, who honestly have been figuring it out for themselves all along. Gene's life could actually be better, guys, with the passing of the mother. and Because um, he was always the saddest. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, he was He's always... a sad kid. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> now with, well, with Henry and, and Sally, I feel like he, has, he might have a better shot. He might shot. have a better shot. Yeah. Uh, so Don calls Betty, and uh, he's 
pretty he's he's distraught and he's angry and she stands up to him in the most amazing way um letting him know in no uncertain terms you are not their father like he says you know i'm their father they need me and these are both in their own way very false statements Mm -hmm. because he hasn't been there he doesn't care until he has a claim to stake because she's passing Mm -hmm. it's it you don't get to have it both ways when was the last time you saw them yeah, right. and it was almost like, "Don't make me say it, Don." It was almost like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be nice here, buddy. Don't right. make me say it. And he's, you know, kept going on. And I think this was, you know, this is another. We talk about these shedding of layers. I mean, this was another. Uh, this was one of Don Draper's sort of. It's sort of Don Draper's last stand. Like, like all, all this illusion of Don as this, you know, perfect husband and and supreme, you know, um, creative director and and perfect in every way, functional human functional being. human being, <laughs> exactly, perfect father. So that's the, last, that's the last thing he has left. He's like, look, these are my kids, and I'm going to come and do the right thing. I'm going to see them all the time. And she's like, you never did that. Yeah, that's not you. Like, who, who are you kidding? And it's like, oh shit, that's not me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's a it's a purely selfish it's a purely selfish gesture. Even yeah. in the face of Betty's passing, the biggest offense at the beginning of this call is why wasn't I told? Right, right. you're not my husband. Right, I don't need to tell you anything. She said it's her business. It's her business, yeah, it's and she's right. absolutely right in right. saying so. Right, um, and well, of then course, when they're done exchanging barbs, you do get the. Birdie. Birdie. Yeah. Oh, I know. Shattering. Yeah, that was that was, that killed me. Yeah. And uh But it was if to me it was like, okay, enough of the bickering. It's right. we're really at the end. Mm-hmm. And we did have something together, especially right. we produced two children. We you know, and three children. Three children. Oh, I th- I always forget that that's not the yeah. 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 Um but at any rate, it was, wow, that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, and uh, following that call, Don defeated, realizing that he really does have nothing left. Not just the things that he shed, that he thought he shed willingly, but also his family. He really doesn't deserve them. He proceeds to drink himself into an early grave. Uh, and, you know, pissed drunk, he he gets the car guys to drive him out to Los Angeles, where uh, he calls up Stephanie Draper, who I I watched the show Arrow on CW in the meantime since the last time we saw her, and she was also, she was on Arrow on CW, so it was very confusing for me to see Katie Lotz there. Um, but she's not doing great either. No. She was drinking, and she was too wild, and she wasn't a parent either. She didn't have the temperament for it. It wasn't her thing. I mean, she's looking a little better than the last time we saw her. Oh, I mean, definitely. She's like, you know, tripping around San Francisco with some hippie dude in the van or whatever she was doing. I mean, she's definitely seems a little a little more stable as, as, as when we first see her when she's telling Don to get his stuff together. Uh, do you think that? I mean, that you said something interesting. Do you think that at that moment when he got that news about Betty? Uh, in Don's mind, was that the end for him? Was he really just I'm gonna I'm gonna play out the string and just drink this out, spend all this money and just drink this out in California? Was he really going drinking himself to death? You think? Or? No, I'm saying after he hears that, okay. there's nothing to do but drink. Right. It's it's the feeling of utter helplessness. That's all that he has left is vice because he right. doesn't have anything else to do and he's running out of money. Uh, so he figures at the very least one last thing I can do before I go is give Stephanie the engagement ring, right. her mother's. Right engagement ring. At least I can do one last one good last thing. thing. And she 
she saves his life. She, she takes does. him to uh, to this institute, and he's poo pooing and snoot snooting it. Um, <laughs> poo pooing and snoot snooting. Uh, <laughs> above it all, because it it does sound you know wackadoo to somebody who's not used to to woo woo kind of stuff. It was what was it like psychotechnics? And, right. and by the way, though, and for ninety five percent of the people there. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. They were full of crap. And the, you know what I mean? Like, it was only because of Don Draper or what, Dick Whitman or whatever was inside of him that came out at, by the end without getting to that. But to me, the when Angie was telling her feelings, she's, you know, she's crushed inside. And the one lady is judgmental with her and, you know, delivers a blow. But then the instructor is like, can I tell you how this is making me feel? Right. It's, and, and I was telling you guys this off camera but uh, the the cornerstone of the hippie movement you know mm-hmm. there was there were some good things that they fought for but ultimately it was just like a, a lot of them were let's run away from our problems smoke weed or whatever and that's a narcissistic thing and and you saw that there you mm-hmm. know you saw it there, um, especially Brett Gelman's character, uh, who's just like you know, she had her hangups and I had hangups, and it's just <laughs> like awesome. it's. I mean, it's fantastic, but it's also just complete waste yes, of what's right. there. Sure. And well, look at the instructors just mm-hmm. standing there nodding. Mm-hmm. I'm really that's really interesting. I, I really like your take is is interesting take because I, I have a I have a, a same a similar but different take on that whole. That, that whole sort of compound because it, it was interesting the, the way Matthew Weiner portrayed that place because we got to see it sort of from all angles. Yeah. I think that like you, you know, having Don come there, we definitely got to see it from Don's eyes, which is like, what the hell is this place? Like, mm-hmm. you know, especially that first exercise, he's walking around, so he's like staring. And, it, it, and he, I mean, you can tell, like, you know, Matthew Weiner is definitely taking a piss out of the whole movement and the whole thing. <laughs> right. and, like, this is ridiculous. But all that being said, for as ridiculous as it all was and, and as silly as it was, um, ultimately, what Don got out of it was a lot. Like mm-hmm. ultimately, right. all oh, no, no, it was Don huge, got so much out it of it. Was and, but you know, again, is it the, that one thing? Is like, hey, if we reach one person, it's worth sure. it, and that was the one. Then we need it. Yeah, well, it just makes me wonder what 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 Matthew Weiner's real take on it is because it's like, do I do I really sort of believe in this very specific Big Sur sort of thing that was based in a real place, as you said? Yeah, or am I taking this sort of cynical look at it as well? I mean, it was just interesting. I think, thought, I think he thought that a lot of the people involved were, were full of crap, and that Don happened to embrace it, be all in with it, and had a breakthrough. If, if yeah. you if you see the the scene where this poor guy is crying, um, Leonard, and he's straight-laced, he's the closest to kind of Don. He's an older guy, and you can see even the way he's dressed is conservative, the V-neck sweater. And yeah, what the heck is he doing there, by the way? Well, like, where did that how did he from? get brought but here, to the place? <laughs> but here, here was, to me, the big two big reveals. One, this poor guy, his body felt so bad for him. He's bawling his eyes out, no reaction. In the okay, I get it. The other people are victims too, so they mm-hmm. don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. So what about the instructor just sitting there nodding? And so that was my one reveal. My second reveal was the biggest thing: it was to finally see Dawn be the one to go and grab him and hug yeah, him and then huge. cry with him. Huge. It was such a jump for Dawn, who's always with those kind of nerdy guys. He, he kind of rolls his eyes and he helps them all through the series. But this was a time where he just let it all go. He hugs this guy. The guy hugs him back. They're crying together. It was such an incredible breakthrough. Well, let me throw this this concept at you. So, uh, again, uh, from, I believe it was the Vulture review of the show, He mm-hmm. Matt Zollercites, he said something that I really, review, really, really, really <laughs> Doug. And it was, um, basically this place was where uh, Don and Dick 
separated and then reconstituted into something new. And you can take that scene and the scene where Stephanie runs out, which I'll talk about in a sec, where if if that is Don looking at Dick Whitman. This is the guy who is invisible, that uh, no one knows exists. People are happy to see him, but they're not looking right at him, and they never, ever pick him. He's somebody who has never understood love. That's the thing. That's the amazing thing for Don in this moment, is no one has ever articulated that that was even possible. Because he, as an ad man, sells love Daily, mm-hmm. He thought he had a grip on what that was supposed to be because people explained it to him, advertisements explained it to him, media explained it to he him. He sold it as a commodity to, to, to other people. Who else, who better to understand love than a guy who sold it? And he's finally hearing from someone else, I'm not alone in that I never had a chance because I never knew what the hell it was. And he goes and he, in that moment, is letting it all out, forgiving himself, and reclaiming that Dick Whitman side, this guy who never got to live in the first place. Right, yeah. And the previous scene, he says on the phone to Peggy, mm-hmm. I can't get out of here. To me, that was like Satra. It was like, I can't get out of this world again. Yeah. And this is his, finally, this yeah. breakout. Yeah. I, I said to you, Sterling, I said, this is Don 2.0, which is, you're right, the hybrid between, that's a genius review. That's yeah. Uh, I want to talk about two more Don things, and then we'll get to the very ending. Uh, I want to talk about, so when he, so first of all, you mentioned that He's finally the person to go and comfort someone else when they're crying. Throughout the series, uh, anytime anyone cries, he's the first person to be like, get it together, stop crying, have a drink. He would pour it, tell them, order them, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink. The the series, that's his move. Right. Like, suck it up. Well, and even in this episode, you see, so at the end of the day, you can either push people away like that woman does to him, Mm -hmm. and that's the vibe he gives off, is that he's constantly pushing people away out of his life, or you can pull them closer like he does at the end, and he makes the first move on that. Yeah. And I think that's it. When Stephanie runs out of that seminar, we get to see him playing both Don and Dick at the same time because he says hey you know those people are are BS you know you didn't grow up with Jesus whatever but then he shifts on a dime and it's like I'm going to move to LA I'm going to move to LA I'm going to help you and again wants to save someone right but I feel like this comes less from that narcissistic Don place of I know what I'm talking about and more like it hey like I'm in trouble too. Let's let's learn and live together. Let's build something together. Um, and uh, ultimately, it doesn't work out. I loved the line, and it, again, this show's obsession with death uh, is, uh, and it's maybe the cornerstone line of the entire series. Is when he has his pennies bag and he goes up to the front desk trying to figure out a way to leave, and he says, "People just come and go as they please without saying goodbye." Yeah. And uh, I forget what she says in response. But that's basically... She says, like you. No. <laughs> but it's it's the truth. If, if you're talking about death, if you're talking about just anyone in life, people come and go as they please as without they please, saying goodbye. Generally. And she was... She was- yeah, agreeing with it, but again, I took it from the bad hippie place of like, yeah, no, that's life, man. <laughs> she you know, she said like, people can come and go as they please. Yeah, well, they can, you know. The beauty away. of faith and the beauty of belief is that there is something in there that both BS people and people really seeking something can attach themselves to. And, uh, you know, whether it's this woo-woo hippie stuff, whether it's religion, whether it's business, whatever it is, uh, it's up to you to decide what's real and what's not. And Don gets to feel something real in this episode. And by the end of the episode, he is open to it. He's meditating. He is accepting his mistakes in his life, 
that he did screw up, that there is nothing left, and all that he can do, not run away from his past, but instead accept it and move forward a changed person. Now, a lot of speculation on the web, and I want to know, go around the table and see what you guys think before I give my piece. Uh, so we have him meditating, and there's a chime, and he smiles, mm-hmm. and then we fade into this classic, maybe one of the most I- iconic com- TV commercials of all time. How excited is Coca-Cola, by the way, as a brand? Yeah. And it, this was not product placement. This was not paid in any way. Uh, this was just what Matthew, how Matthew Water wanted to end it. And a lot of people are inferring from this connection that after this episode, Don has a spiritual awakening, has an epiphany, goes back to McCann Erickson, mm-hmm. gets rehired, and makes this commercial. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that that is true? I definitely think, especially with the the chime, I think it's a moment of clarity for him and a moment mm-hmm. of realization that um, where he realizes who he is because he's always seeking fulfillment and I think who he is in at the end of the day is an ad man mm-hmm. and that idea comes to him and I think that you know whether or not he created that commercial but I think that's what he realizes that he is. Mm-hmm. I'm of two minds in this. I, I really believe that this is sort of, I would like to believe at least this is sort of Matthew Weiner's sort of version of, of his Sopranos, of the David Chase Sopranos ending like that. I'll just put this out here, you guys interpret it and talk about it as we're doing now, which I love. But, uh, I, you know, I, I want to believe that, and it's also like, like you said on the internet, there's all people, people who are like, that it's so cynical, He's it's horrible, he's going to go back and sell sugary soda to everyone after all of this, like how dare he, you know, so there's that bit too, but for me, I, I did um, I did sort of take it as he, you know, went down to create that ad and at first I was a little, I was one of those people like oh, of course, but then the more I sat with it, I yeah. loved it because you know, like Coca-Cola wasn't the horrible, you know, sugary drink of the world like it maybe is or isn't now, I'm not, no, I love you Coca-Cola but back then it was really the, the, the drink of a generation, right. and so, and that ad was revolutionary. And we do know that McCann in real life, you know, did do that ad in real life. And the guy who did that ad in real life was I forget it's like name is like it's like Billy Barton, Billy Barton, yeah. like alliteration, Don Draper, Billy, whatever the guy's name is. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe and Matthew Weiner did mention that he had an ending for this, you know, sort of all, all in advance. Like he said, like I know how I want to end it. I know what it's going to end on. I just figure out how to get there. So I feel like in a lot of ways we've been working towards this with that clue when um, when my man says. Coca-Cola, obviously, that yeah. knows that. And then obviously the, 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 most, the most blatant clue was uh, the penultimate when the guy says, do you want to fix Coca? Can you fix Coca-Cola? Can you mm-hmm. fix this thing for me? It's like, oh, Don's going to fix Coca-Cola. Yeah. You know, so I, the, that, that's my long-winded way of saying I do believe he did go off to do that, but I, I hope he did it as a sort of Dick Whitman, Don um, uh, Draper hybrid. I hope he's wearing jeans and some cool leather jacket yeah. and he's like doing his thing and like I, I hope that that's the guy it is. So that, I love that. Kevin? Uh, okay, so, you know, this whole series, do you notice the shot in his office where you see the three de- the three um, certificates? Mm-hmm. They're from 50, 57, 58, 59. So he's, all, he's been this whole time kind of stuck in that Camelot way. To mm-hmm. me, these last few episodes really brought him into the 70s. Um, if you watch it as a second or third time, the second chime goes off. And he smiles. The idea bell. Thank you. So, you know, Sterling, you're right with that, I believe. Then when you see the girl in the Coke commercial who has the pigtails that are styled and colored exactly like the girl at the front desk, says to me, Don did, in fact, create this campaign. And it is the hybrid Don, Dick, 
Don yeah. 2.0, and it's wonderful. And, and it's classic American storytelling where he's gone out on a journey, he's he's had all these experiences, and he's come back a different person. Now he goes back to the village to share that wisdom and experience as a, as a new person. Yeah. It, it, and it was a few weeks ago uh, when he was sitting, to, he's doing the review with uh, Peggy, so. and mm-hmm. she he's asking about what, he, what she sees in her future, what she wants out of the business. He wants, she wants to be a creative director, blah, blah. But then she said, I want to create something of lasting value. And in that little interview, it was kind of like Don was asking her what he should do, but mm-hmm. really just asking her, you know, right. what sh- her plans are. So I feel like this co-commercial is something of lasting value, and obviously it's something that was very real, and we're bringing it back now. So I think that that's just another sign that it's something that he was a part of or created or... I agree. And also, just to add to what Kevin said and what I said earlier, I mean, you know, the, the show is, it, it's, the show's been about the advertising, the advertising world. I mean, the one thing we know Don is great at is, you know, creating campaigns. I mean, like, he's not the best person in the world. He's not the best dad in the world. Certainly not the best husband or boyfriend. But he's amazing creative director and amazing guy, amazing creative. So, um, to see Don win at these creative moments throughout the series, be it whether it's, uh, the carousel or whatever it may be throughout the, is, has been the highlights of what this series has been. So, and also, in that moment, where he everything went down for Don. We talked about this. He the only thing he knew to go back to was to sit at, at a typewriter and bang out tags and have months and help him out. Like this is where Don has always been happiness, his, his happiest. So for me, I think it's wonderful to find this idea to have this idea of a Don Draper, a fully Don 2.0, who is sort of self-realized wonderful and then still able to go back to his love of advertising but do it in a new way to create the sort of the, the ad of a generation. I don't find that cynical at all. No, I think that's like wonderful. Yeah. And and also, guys, last thing I'll say about this is uh, the whole uh, uh, all through the episode, pack of cigarettes in the pocket and the last uh, shot of him doing the uh, yoga, no cigarettes. So to yeah. me, says even the cigarettes and the booze, he's yeah. coming into this new world. He's leaving that all behind as well for the dog 2.0. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now that you guys have all gotten to make at least three points. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. Yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't make the connection that he would go back and uh, that this would be his commercial until I heard someone say it today. Uh, so I, looking back on it, having seen it a few times, I honestly think that both answers are right. I think that he definitely could have uh, just kept going on with his spiritual journey out in California and settled out there and recognized that his old life maybe wasn't something that he was meant to have anymore, that it was built on uh, unfit uh, – what's, what's the word? Built on faulty mooring, let's call it that, um, that the ground un- underneath it was not stable and that it wasn't really a place he could go again. I also understand the impulse to say he took – there's a wonderful connection between the pilot episode where he's selling poison, cigarettes, and he's telling people that, you know, we're not selling death, we're selling happiness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and ultimately saying something just – it's toasted. It's toasted. Is, yeah. is the greatest advertising campaign of all time because rather than selling death, everyone else is selling death, we're selling happiness. And to bookend the series with after uh, – Doing the hero's journey, coming home, having changed, recognize, uh, having this spiritual awakening, and having this epiphany, uh, 
of everyone in the world living in harmony. I, I want to buy uh, you a house and fill it with fill it up with love. That's really what it, it's all about. It's the real thing. And he is using the real thing mm-hmm. to, once again, sell poison. To sell oh. over-sugared, caffeinated hey. drinks. It Take is. It watch Fed Up, man. Oh, I know. But, but, my, but that, now, in 2015, we watched But that's what I'm saying. That. We're watching it in 2015. Okay. We're watching it in 2015. It was made in 2015. This episode was made in 2015. Sure. So we are meant to have that distance well, looking still, back okay. at it. He's okay. still Dawn, Dawn and Dick. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, I mean, you know, so he, he we only could take him so far. It's possible. I, I honestly, I would like to believe, and this is maybe me being sentimental, that if he did go back and make this thing, he was approaching it from a different way, that he wasn't going to let himself be dragged back into the mire of depression, of his existential crisis, knowing who he is, maybe even going by the Dick Whitman name, God help me, that would be nice. But I, I just thought it was very fitting the irony of spending an entire series trying to find the real thing Mm -hmm. and ending Uh, on an advertisement for Coca-Cola as the real thing. Whether or not it's his ad, it's the right ending. Sure. And I don't don't think that that ad at all, I mean, you know, I really don't think of the time when I saw it and grew up with it and everything else. Um, I mean, it's obviously before my time. I I don't think I was even born. But like... um, the I don't that, that's not cynical to me. I really like. I listen to that song. Oh, it's beautiful and, and it's I, catchy. I, I have no area, I have no cynicism whatsoever. I want to buy you know harmony and love. It's beautiful, and I, I think it's fantastic. So if, if he did that, maybe I want to say that it came from a good place. I do want to say I, I want to pat myself on the back, like because I believe I had this one right. I believe I called this. At thirty six thirteen in last 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 week's episode, I believe I said that this would happen on this commercial. It would end on this commercial. I just want to thank you, Kevin. You said that that is a big deal. Huge, you guys. My research shows I'm not the only one. So I'm not like Joe Flippo guy. had a had a shot that he said was going to be in it. Exactly, Joe Flippo, and who, we said that Stan and Pay were going to get together. Yeah, so yeah. we all had some. Yeah. Joe, Joe Flippo said that it would end on on Don staring off at, at a cliff in Malibu. He said, but that. That would be a final shot. It was a cliff and big sir, but that shot did happen, so mm-hmm. I'll give yeah. you some half props. I also fun. said Joan and Peggy starting their own That's true. Thing. Yes. Which another it's show I watched the heck out of. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sad that didn't happen, but I'm kind of glad it didn't. But yeah. um, One last thing on, on the Coca-Cola thing, because mm-hmm. I think what Joe's saying here is incredibly valuable when we're looking at the commentary, the satire inherent in ending on this commercial, is that you're absolutely right. The Don Draper that we leave this series knowing is exactly the kind of person who would want to send and spread a message mm-hmm. of positivity, something that he's finally learning, of that happiness comes from letting other people into your life and not from the things that you acquire. The cool thing is that maybe the Don Draper that goes back to advertising isn't trying to sell things to uh, sell products to people. He's using products to sell ideas to people. And the idea is, can't we all just freaking love each other? Yeah. Beautiful. That's I would so love nice. to believe that, Matthew <laughs> Lieberman. That's, that's the Don Draper I want to believe is existing. I believe in, in him. The all right. We should probably shout out to Pete, right? Oh, yeah. We got, yeah. we got like three minutes. So, uh, well, last, last glimpse, last glimpse right. of, uh, <laughs> of Pete, he and Trudy and, uh, and little Tammy are getting on a beautiful 70s Learjet to their new life in Wichita. So happy for them. Hope it doesn't crash. Roger and Marie. Well, can I say about the one thing yeah. about that? Yeah. Is, uh, is he gets a cactus. 
Yeah. He's like, I, I don't know what that has to do with Kansas, but it shows to me that he didn't belong. Mm-hmm. And then she's dressed very much like Jackie O. Right. So very, Jackie O. Okay, so very 60s, very Camelot. So they're going to kind of live that... Um, White picket fence that they're gonna, which a lot of people to this day still live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So they're not gonna get into this hippie stuff. They're gonna go to the Midwest, and I'm and I'm happy for them. Good. I really want to quickly last thing. Roger and Marie, who uh, not a not a perfect relationship. They still have their their fights, but I think ultimately what happens for Roger, he lets go of the fact that he will not have. A legacy. The one legacy that he may have is Kevin, but Kevin will never bear his name. Uh, and that rather than worry about leaving something behind or working, which he was never good at in the first place, right. why not just be happy That's with somebody who gets him to the end of your days? You'd be surprised. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. Right. Nobody <laughs> cares. Yeah. Nobody you said that, but you're, you, you just you did it. Yeah. yeah, you nailed it. Nobody nailed it. Yeah, you know, and I, I, you know the the other thing is, is Halloween everywhere. Do you yeah. Get yeah, and I love so the nineteen seventies Halloween decorations. The black cat on yeah. Joan's yeah. fridge is right. just yeah. so and the, and the cat on the on Bert's uh, painting. And oh yeah. Office. Oh yeah. Just there's like a skeleton of black cat right? on the yeah. freaking Amazing. painting. Amazing. And the, the, the middle dollar, dollar question to you guys is. And Matt's going to stab me for asking this question, but I have to. I'm no so, time. I, okay, so I'm, so I'm glad they I'm glad they didn't kill Don. Do we see Mad Men again on the big screen or no. in a s- sequel ever? Yes. No. Oh, interesting. Yes. And Sterling? I don't think so. No. Okay. okay. Uh, well, I mean, we never got Soprano. I hate to compare to Soprano. We never got Soprano's movie. I don't think we ever will, but... You can't you know. because he's gone. But. Yeah, so... Uh, I, that's right. Duh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with this... No, with this, I don't... I don't, I don't I, know. I, I just... I feel like that... that it, like Matt said, it was wrapped up so nicely that I just don't want to... You know, we can all interpret our own endings or where these characters go for if us it and what we're doing. Bro, don't fix it. it, it I'm no, really it satisfied is. with this ending, so I don't know if I need more. I'm all very, right. very satisfied with this ending, but it was left in a way that, you know, like these characters, I would spin like ER, I'd spin like. Twenty five years. Joe, guys, 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 guys. Would you watch? Would you watch? Would I, yes. well, I wa- oh, yeah, course. I'd be compelled. <laughs> but <laughs> unfortunately, I would love to talk about this series right. for the rest of my life. However, oh, we are man. out of time, and we—that's even with an additional <laughs> additional fifteen minutes on top of it. I want to thank everyone who's ever turned tuned into this podcast, letting us into your homes, your mobile devices, your cars. It's been a real pleasure recapping this fantastic series for you, and I hope that you follow us to the ends of the earth so because so we're so good at what we do. Sterling Cates, where can the people find you? Where can they follow you to? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sterling Cates and, of course, on several other AfterBuzz shows here. Yes, uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Periscope at Joe K. Braswell and um, True Detective, I believe, and Hannibal coming up here at AfterBuzz. I forgot to shout out Evan Arnold, the guy who played Leonard. He was Mm -hmm. awesome. Evan Arnold, good, 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 good job for him. Um, I think that's it. At Undergaro and uh, uh, Bar Rescue. Okay. After show. And uh, folks, if you want to follow me anywhere, anywhere at all, you should follow me first on Twitter. I don't know why you haven't done this yet. Because incisive commentary, jokes, plugs for all the other things I'm doing. These are all the wonderful things that you can find. But by the way, the go to guy for all of your amazing, like, any TV show you guys that has any depth to it, it's you go to Matt. I go to him all the time for the answers. I watch it. So go to Twitter, type in the name Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. That's where you can find me. You can also find me on SourceFed doing news and comedy. You want the news of the week, the top news of the week every Friday? You can look at it on The Loop on SourceFed. SourceFed Nerd talking about superhero TV shows, Game of Thrones, all kinds of fun stuff, doing parodies and stuff. And hey, LieberFriends.com. I'm doing a daily daily advice vlogs. People write to me. I answer their questions. Oh. Guys, that is the show. 
See you never. Oh, my God. Bye-bye. News and comedy. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. Bye, guys. Bye. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.